Streaming live from the beautiful city of Hollywood, Florida, USA. This is SoFloRadio.com. Honored to meet you. Thank you for seeing us. I'm a huge admirer of yours. Oh, God, I love flattery. You're a genius, goddamn genius. You're the only one that's still transferring film to video. I mean, nobody really appreciates that kind of integrity anymore. The grain and the gritty look you get. Well, what kind of budget are we talking about? Two women, one white, one black. Hard bondage, of course. Other than that, trusting your own uh, artistic interpretation, I only have two stipulations. Challenge me. I want to watch you work. Second stipulation. Yeah, the performer has to be that uh, that animal you use, the man in the mask. I don't know. It might be interesting. I'll just have to put my thinking cap on. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Groovathon. I am Tony C, and as always, I'm seated next to the master of production and engineering, the man who makes sure that our groove is satin smooth, Los Georges. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> you were waiting for me to say something else, weren't you? You were waiting for the, the fill-in there. I was actually listening to the song. I know, and, it's great. Uh, and, and looking at the meters and listening to the levels hey, and producery Jimmy, shit. So. Hey, Jimmy Smith, give up the booty, baby, 1977. Of course, every Groovathon is propelled by an attitude of gratitude. Mucho mahalo to everybody tuning in live and downloading the show here in America and around the world, y'all. How you doing, pal of mine? Little, little rainy out there today. That's okay. Even our bad weather is good. <laughs> I know. Once again, there's like that cutoff line. You can see that, you yeah, know. It but, rains, it's pishing, you put your slicker on. I know, you, I got, I got the Helly Hansen jacket Whatever, out. you put on your rubbers and you go waiting to work. Well, now it, now we're into, you know, the, the, the full summer routine out Yeah, it's hot. It's a swamp. Locals only. Locally. The kids are out of school. So that was it. I told you this last year, that that's the last thing. The, the, the diehard Canadians that the swamp heat doesn't chase away right our kids (laughs) 
Our well, kids are out of school. Once the kids start playing in the they street. They swarm the beach. They got nothing to do. The right. beach is free. Oh, that's right. They swarm the beach, and all those Speedos pick up and go running, man. <laughs> all, all those cinch sacks. All the canae, all those, all the, all, all the cabessois. Run! They, our kids are animals. <laughs> no, no doubt down here. But, oh. Hey, look, man. I'm going to tell you something. Tomorrow is the uh, parlay of despots. Okay, between uh, the Don Yeah, and both of them. Oh, what a match made the in The Don and the Dear Leader. Actually, we're not bringing any of the, uh, you know, official people, so we're just going to, you know. Well, I'm just saying the end is near. Yeah. Okay, actually, yeah. it's nearer than you think because you know what? Right now, it's already tomorrow in Singapore. So, yeah, yeah, so, you know, I'll tell you, it's, I thought it was funny. He's like, you know, attitude is what matters. I actually agree with him, but you know what? I think you should do a little recon as well. <laughs> you know, his 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 attitude is is like we're, the attitude from my old neighborhood. You get further with a kind word and a gun than you do with just a kind word. Yeah, we're going to be talking about this later, I imagine. No, not yeah. at all. Oh, well, that, seriously, I could care. In that case, yeah, exactly. They didn't care about him before. We don't care. Who's afraid of Kim Jong-un? Yeah, well, that's yeah. Uh, this. This I wrote that this entire meeting is going to be all hat and no cattle because these guys <laughs> basically don't give a shit about tangible results. They give a shit about right. the optics. Yeah. Because... Tangible results for them don't involve the citizenry; they involve themselves. Sure. What's tangible for me? Right. There so was that's an, all they an incredible about. photo op uh, for both of them. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, that's basically what it is. You know, there, there's no, there's nothing else. It's going to be all hat and no cattle. Obviously, we're on our uh, summer schedule, but you know, just to be clear, okay, we did put together the all groove extravaganza for Memorial Day, so it's not like we're slacking off. Yes. Okay. We worked the weekend. Two hours plus of nothing but straight up groove from the archives. But, uh, you know, with the new uh, Groovathon summer schedule, you know, three weeks, two weeks, whatever. Okay. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff to get to today, including modern day notes from the underground transposed in the manifesto of a quasi neo reactionary libertarian pedophile who's running for Congress in Virginia. Lenny Dykstra gets nailed after swinging for the fences in Uber Park. The Terminator mocks the most stubborn apprentice in history as fallout from the president's solar panel tariffs starts to hit home. Why I ain't feeling the burn after Senator Sanders finally hops on the Groovathon bandwagon, but am feeling hot enough onto the collar to smack Robert Reich around for a while. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Plus, Governor Greitens says goodbye. Dave Chappelle manages to make me laugh about rape. <laughs> and George and I are going to get our constitutional swirl on by revisiting the tale of This is the House that Jack Built as the Necessary and Proper Clause once again rears its head. Of course, all of that is going to be amidst the finest, most diverse groove anywhere on the air. It is just past 2 o'clock and the only Hollywood that matters anymore. Yeah. Hollywood. Florida, that is. I mean, just, just past 8 a.m. on the big island where Madame Pele is just fucking going buck wild. Buck wild. Shout out to the cow crew who can now see the plumes. Fresh new real estate. Yo, and, and let me tell you something. The Vogue is thick amongst them. I, I promise you that. Just past... 7 at night, Dublin, Lytham, St. Anne, the rest of Western Europe, just past 9 p.m., the land of the midnight sun, RCG, driving the Midnight Express, excuse me, land of the Midnight Express, that would be Turkey. Yeah, that's where RCG's carrying the flag, shout out, and it is just past 2 a.m. tomorrow, 
in Bali, Indonesia, where the queen of Convent Avenue, Madame Garcia, is getting her South Pacific swirl on. Shout out to Maria. I once met a girl named Maria. And suddenly that name will never be the same to me. Yo, Gramps, you got everything chilled to perfection? I got my dancing shorts on. Then crank up the AC and stick around. It's the Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com.
Like marshmallows on the shark in the shallowest Pour other water where you thought it was safe But there ain't no escape The fire better that's creating a blaze On the pages of the journal and making it internal You're a sterner with comparison I spit more than metal My train seems punks rappers over the trestle Try to wrestle with this only in your dream Giving sunbursts and fevers out raising you in the trees Keeping it 449 and won't turn it up Otherwise the whole damn book will get burned up
get your whole house burnt down. Too aggressive, let me give you all the rundown. It ain't never been a cause for me to turn down. So get ready when you hear we about to come round. Now, feel the rhythm in your backbone. You ain't second with the coming in the shack bowl. Act mode like you wanna party with the track on. I'ma give it to your full throttle in attack mode. Set mode when I'm on this thing. Spit flame that I burn a whole jack during stage. When I wrote it, many burn through the jack during page. I ain't paying, man. You acting like a jack during game. Campaign, now we move with our hands up. Seems like the whole world is against us. Teach the truth, that's a rule that you can't trust. Seeing how we do, move smooth like a panther. Looking at paper the other day, I'm not making this up. There's a serial rapist in Houston. It's nothing funny about serial rape, but <laughs> what is noteworthy about this particular rapist is that all of his victims have been men. Enjoy your evening. <laughs> I can't believe you clapped about that. A man raping men in Houston. It's the most gangster shit. So far, uh, like like seven men have already come forward in the Houston area and reported this motherfucker, which which means he must have raped thousands. It's a tough phone call for us to make. It's not like when you get raped, ladies. There's no. Uh, Society don't give a fuck about male rape. This ain't no hotline for us. Man get raped, you just gotta get up and walk that shit off. Huh? Got raped. Yeah. Call me slipping. Yeah. You gotta take that shit to the grave. Couldn't even tell my wife some shit like that. Come home all disheveled and shit. Hey, where have you been? It's three o'clock in the morning. Out fucking another woman. Just go back to sleep. Yeah. 
unexpected prosperity Who uses a machete to cut through red tape With fingernails that shine like justice And a voice that is dark like tinted glass She is fast, thorough, and sharp as a tack She is touring the facility and picking up Short skirt, long jacket from Comfort Eagle. Came out in 2001. We were just talking about this band. You know, your, your daughter, you know, daughter's got good taste in music. Yes, she does. She, she, she picks these puppies out. That is an underappreciated band, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, you know, they don't, get, they don't get the appreciation they, they deserve. Before that, shout out to my man, Kenny Altman, for turning me on to this one. He posted that particular tune. Memory Chest by Tammy Terrell. You know, Tammy Terrell with Marvin Gaye. That is from... Uh, you're All I Need, which uh, came out in 68. The uh, Funk Brothers, of course, handling all the instruments on that. My man Kenny's putting together like his uh, you know, particular playlist, and, and song by song he writes a little blurb about it. And this one just, just literally exploded at me you know, off the, uh, off the screen and into my ears because I loved it so much. For that Our Lady Peace, if you believe, from Spiritual Machines came out in 2000. I like those guys. They, uh, it's one of those Canadian bands. We love the Canadians. I love Canadians. We do love we Canadians do love here Canadians. in South Florida. They're half our economy. They are. Well, in Hollywood anyway. Yeah, well, this is where we're at. Yeah, I love them, except they don't tip. If they could just learn how to tip. Soviet, they, I, I, I know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to do about that. The old joke is like, tipping I is feel not, like tipping for them. Tipping is not a city in China. Oh, oh. It was a, that was the uh, the time when I was playing in the uh, pool league. We were uh, down at uh, I can't remember the name of the, the the particular place that we were playing at. But we, you know, when you're playing in the in a match, mm-hmm. it goes on for like three four hours. Okay, and you know we're good bar patrons, so we're there, we're drinking, we're tipping the whole time, and at no point, you know, and it's New York, 
So you do the right thing. You expect the right thing. You're supposed to get a buyback at some point or another. And so after about like two hours or something like that, nothing from this guy, all right, you know, we stopped tipping him. Like we made the conscious decision that we were just going to keep buying. And, you know, we, we, we put a kibosh on the tipping for like the last two rounds. And after we won the match, we're walking out and the bartender, you know, barks at, uh, at, at, uh, at us. Goes, hey, you know, Tipping is not a city in China. And my friend Robin Wertheimer turns around and goes, yes, it is. It's a city right next to buyback. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that classic line there. Before that, yeah, Dave Chappelle makes me laugh about rape. So, you know, mm-hmm. let's just mm-hmm. say he's funny. Before that, Gangster Grass, barn burning from American music, came out a couple of years ago. Straight out of Brooklyn, those cats are. We, uh, that kind of fusion of uh, hip-hop and another genre, in this case, bluegrass, reminds me of uh, a friend of mine whom I played a lot of his music on the show, Gene Pritzker, um, back you know, when he, like his first band, uh, and I played these guys, a Sound Liberation, which I first heard, I guess, in 98, 99, somewhere in there. And, uh, you know, he, he really was the first person that I heard who managed to successfully fuse classical riffs mm-hmm. with hip-hop. He, he got it right then. And so, you know, these guys are just doing another kind of thing like that. It's pretty cool stuff, actually. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Some of it's kind of hokey pinocchi, but there's enough of it that's worth listening to. So you want to check that out. Gangster Grass, the name of the band. Barn Burning is the song before that. Yeah, one of the great riffs that just, you can't not hum it in your head after you're at Space Hog in the meantime from Resident Alien, basically. Their whole, you know, that's their whole career right there is that one song. They recorded that in a barn in uh, Woodstock, New York, in upstate Woodstock. And kicking off the set, brand new material from Fantastic Negrito. That is Plastic Hamburgers from the forthcoming CD, Please Don't Be Dead. It comes out this Friday. And that was like the teaser track that he put out. Absolutely great stuff. His uh, previous uh, CDs. This guy's got a really interesting bio. Uh, if you, you ever get around to reading, you know, checking up on stuff like that, like I do, but it's 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 interesting stuff. He he literally almost died in a car crash and stopped recording for ten years and all kinds of stuff. So, right off the bat, I just want to give a big mucho mahalo to Derek Jeter. Okay? okay, yeah, for basically tanking the Marlins roster because otherwise the Mets would be in last place. Okay, they were thank God. They didn't get swept by the Yankees. They finally won a game last night after being on an eight-game losing streak. So, and it was like two months ago. I was all excited about a ten-game winning streak, and I was all psyched. And now, they're the Mets. <laughs> but I still love them. More news from the baseball world. Yeah, Lenny Dykstra arrested because he pulled a weapon on an Uber driver, and he had coke and ecstasy on him. At that time, Nails just you know Nails is his, was his nickname. When he played with uh, the Mets and the uh, and then the Phillies after that, he is one of the most famous home runs in uh, Mets history. Actually, is the uh, he led off? I guess it was uh, the eighty six eighty six World Series. The Mets were down two nothing. They lost the first two games at Shea. They went into Fenway Park and he opened the game, uh, led off the game with a home run in Game Three, and that's you know deemed one of the great home runs in Mets history. He just can't catch a break. He was. There was a point at which, like in 2007, 
he was worth fifty million dollars, and by two thousand and nine, he was fifty million in debt. He's been busted for all kinds of stuff. He just can't catch a break. Poor nails, you know. At one point, he was sleeping in his car. You know, this guy he was he was trying to pawn himself off as like an investment advisor. You know, with a big wad of <laughs> chewing. This guy had like that wad of chewing tobacco. You know, in his in his craw at all times. So that's hysterical. Arnold Schwarzenegger roasts Trump on coal. <laughs> this one, this one caught my citing a Bloomberg News report that, and I spoke about this several months ago. Uh, a Blue Bloomberg News report that the Trump administration is considering a policy that would make grid operators purchase electricity from coal and nuclear plants in order to support the struggling uh, coal industries. Remember, I was talking about this mm-hmm. up in Massachusetts, right? I yes. think it was that was where it was, right? Okay. So this is what uh, Schwarzenegger tweeted. He goes, I eagerly await the administration's regulations protecting pagers, fax machines, and blockbuster. <laughs> I like Arnold. Now that he's not governor anymore, I like him more and more. He is he's my kind of Republican. Wait, I'm, I'm hearing it in his voice. I eagerly await. Oh, yeah. The, oh, he's got – there's a video it? of it. There, he did it on video. Blockbuster. It's a video tweet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's – You should have told me. We could have uh, – Oh, no. You get, you'll download that. You will, you'll be able to find a use for that at some point in the future. I'm okay, sure. that's, that's what you're going to want to have in the archives. Sir. But I like him now much more than I did when he was a governor. You yeah. know, I think that you know, people like him and uh, – what's his name? Who was the governor from uh, Minnesota? The libertarian guy, the wrestler. Oh, Jesse Ventura. Jesse Ventura. Yeah. That's it. Both of those guys, man, now that they are unencumbered mm, right. by future campaigns, mm-hmm. you know, very much like so much of Congress these days. Okay, that was the uh, big thing with, uh, what's his name, who was running the uh, the uh, the uh, investigation. Um, now I can't remember his name. But it's, what you know, investigation? The investigation into um, come a few bars into you know the thing in Libya and all that stuff. Doesn't matter. But right. now that he's not running anymore, all these guys that aren't running anymore, all these guys essentially. I spoke about this a while ago. All the guys that like came into the Tea Party wave are all like, you know, hightailing it out of there, and now they get to say what they really mean because they don't have to worry about another campaign. Mm-hmm. So um, hey, on the subject of shitty ass uh, politicians, remember uh, this guy. Governor, the uh, Greitens, it was Eric Greitens from Missouri, he was the one that made the mistake of not um, securing the video of of him, you know, with some waitress. And he he's the governor. He's like uh, he's like a uh, political outsider. He was uh, a Rhodes Scholar, according you know, Rhodes Scholar and a Navy SEAL. And this was the guy when he was running for governor, where all the other members of his SEAL team spoke out like against voting for him. They all said he's, he was never a team player. He was in it for himself. Okay. Well, guess what? He resigned Tuesday amid a widening investigation that arose from his affair with a former hairdresser. Quote, this ordeal has been designed to cause an incredible amount of strain on my family. Millions of dollars amount in legal bills, endless personal attacks designed to cause maximum damage to my family and friends. He said in a brief statement from the Jefferson City office, his voice Breaking at times. Hey, Navy SEAL, there's no crying in resignation. Let's go. Come on, man up, bitch. <laughs> He's a piece of shit. By the way, is the... Uh... Ah, never mind. Let me see. <laughs> um, this one, 
It was the Benghazi uh, investigation. The guy oh. who was doing the Benghazi investigation is not going to be. I can't think of his name. Yeah, neither can I. But it's not worth remembering. But he's he's not running anymore. So he literally went out and said that the um, the Spygate thing was a bunch of crap. And immediately after he said that, you know, Fox News basically lambasted him. Mm-hmm. You know, they they said, oh, he's now bad. It was an interesting yeah. thing with John Oliver last night where he made a very interesting point. He said. You know, anybody who disagrees with the conspiracy theory is now part of the conspiracy. Right. Yeah, that's, you know, he brought that up. All right, here's one. This is, here you go. You ready? I'm ready. This is one where Neil Rogers looking down right now, I promise you, okay, this is, this is right up his alley. A quasi-neo-reactionary libertarian pedophile is running for Congress in Virginia's 10th congressional district. Um... His name is Nathan Larson. He said, a lot of people are tired of political correctness and being constrained by it. People prefer when there's an outsider who doesn't have anything to lose and is willing to say what's on a lot of people's minds. Now, this guy has got a 23,000-word manifesto that reads like a libertarian version of Mein Kampf with utterly atrocious grammar. Okay? Okay. You're going to love this. I, Nathan Larson... Hereby announce my candidacy as a quasi-neo-reactionary libertarian in Virginia's 10th Congressional District. What, what does that mean, anything? I, know, I don't I know. know. Words, I re- I've been trying I know to, those words individually, but... <laughs> well, quasi is, is yes, sort of. Sort of. Neo-reactionary, right, new, so new. it's a new form of reaction. Okay. And libertarian. What is he reacting to? Well, that's, you know, to libertarianism, I guess. There's Well, that's the thing. There is such a thing as neo-libertarianism. I spoke about this a few shows ago. It's, you know. Okay. Right. I just don't understand that. Okay. You ready? Reaction. Is As right. representative, you're going to love this. My main agenda will be, one, stopping the war on drugs. Okay. okay. Wow. Yeah. This is the thing about this guy. On the one hand, he's got some, some interesting, you know, propositions. On the other hand, he has some that are so fucking Looney Tunes. Yeah, well, that's that's libertarianism for you. Yeah, it's wait like, for oh, this. Hey, you, when you're running down the list, it's like, okay, sounds good, sounds good, sounds good, and then you get towards the end, and it's like, wait a minute, well, wait a minute. Well, that's what, listen to that. That's exactly what you're going to hear. One, stopping the war on drugs. Two, protecting gun ownership rights. And three, putting an end to U.S. involvement in foreign wars arising from our country's alliance with Israel. <laughs> I will also mm-hmm. restore four, benevolent white supremacy. Five, private borders. Six, patriarchy. Seven, freedom of speech. Eight, freedom from age restrictions. There you go. Thank heaven for little girls. Unfortunately, they get bigger every day, according to him. Uh, let me see. Uh, what else you got here? Nine, suicide rights. Ten, jury trial rights. Eleven, discrimination rights. And twelve, free trade. Now, yeah, he's got a 23,000-word manifesto. And by the way, each one of these things is not capitalized at the beginning of it, even though it should be. Okay, Right now, Strunk and White are hey, rolling over in their graves. Maybe, you know, grammar rules are for fascists. Well, well I was particularly amused by Section 2.2.3, the problem of feminism. By the way, feminism, of course, not capitalized, which it should be, though – that may have been by intent. However, I don't think this guy's got that kind of wit. Okay, I just okay. think he, he just didn't know. Are you ready for this? This this is just classic. Trump reportedly asked why we would bring in so many immigrants from shithole countries like Haiti rather than places like Norway. The problem is 
first world countries aren't producing a lot of children. So if Norwegians came here, they would only hasten Norway's own population collapse. Feminism is a global problem that, if left unchecked, Mm-hmm. will eventually destroy all races. It begins with the white race, culling the best and brightest by encouraging the most intelligent women to attend university and start a career rather than reproducing before their biological clocks run out. Since women have a natural tendency to seek out a mate who is of higher status than themselves, high-status women often remain single because the men around them are lower status than them. Okay. It got my vote. Sounds like a straight shooter to me, pal. Well, we don't know about those things. <laughs> well, he might not be a that, straight pedophile. You know? I, I couldn't. I tried to read the manifesto and had to skim through it. It's it's laborious, but truly, you you need I, cocktails. I, this I is the kind of thing you got to drink it with a fit the jack. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I really. have things to do. <laughs> okay, tax cuts mm-hmm. spark record-setting 178 billion dollar buyback boom. Okay. This is what I predicted. This is what everybody mm-hmm. predicted. Every, yeah. Okay. And this is also one of the reasons why the uh, New York Stock Exchange is up much more than the European and Asian markets are. Okay. Investment advice. Just a little. Here's here we go. Tony Coleman, your 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 friendly investment advisor. Right now, I'd be looking to short the S and P as well as the uh, knife, the New York Futures Index, uh, for contracts for future month contracts starting after Labor Day. So I'm thinking. Uh, October, November, December, and October, November, December. Okay. By then, all the offshore booty, okay, will have been repatriated. What a great, mm. you like that word, repatriated? Is that what the kids are now calling it when corporate America mercilessly reams citizen America? You know, that's what they call it. Anyway, corporations won't be able to uh, artificially inflate their price anymore, which is exactly what they're doing. They're basically taking all of the money that they've gotten through the, through, bringing the money offshore mm-hmm. back in. They've taken that money and bought their shares on the open market so that there are fewer shares out there, which raises the price. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great because it makes them richer on paper. Now, what's going to happen is that, you know, at some point, all the marketing marks who saw their shares go up over last year are going to want to cash in. Mm-hmm. Okay? And they're also going to want to do that uh, before the uh, Trump's tariff tirade and tax Antrim, thank you very much, start to strangle mid-sized businesses in the heartland, and we start to see a decrease in – there's something called the uh, Future Purchasing Index, which is a uh, company's basically uh, post and post their uh, future orders for raw goods, and that's an indication of future production, mm-hmm. okay, in, uh, you know, in the manufacturing sector. Of the economy. And so that's, you know, kind of a forward looking index. It's one of the things that people pay attention to. And when that starts to go down, you have to worry because that means we're not going to be companies believe that there won't be enough people buying their products for them to want to produce more. And so they order less of the raw goods that are used in making that product. And the thing is, that you, you can't be fooled by the Dow Jones index. Okay. Cause that is basically just 30 companies. It's just 30 companies. You need to look at the, the broader indexes, which is, which is why the S&P and the Knife Index, also the Russell 500 out and those kinds of things. I would, you know, I think that that's something to keep an eye on. And, uh, you know, I haven't seen anybody else talking about it, but that doesn't mean I, I have to believe that somebody else is saying the same thing I am. Okay, there's no possible way 
that I'm doing this. On the other hand, I'm pretty sure that nobody listening to this show has seen it either. So I'm bringing oh, it to your attention. So there you go. Uh, let me see. Also, in the uh, in another, um, this is what happens when you elect a businessman who only knows how to run a company that he owns department. And by run, I mean quite often run right into the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay. Billions in U.S. solar projects shelved after Trump panel tariff. Boy, I didn't see this one coming. Hold on. Wait. Whoa. Whoa. Hey, whoa. Yes, I did. And I saw it back on uh, February the 12th of this year. Right when he did it, I said the problem is that American companies make most of their money not on producing solar panels. Mm -hmm. It's on the installation of solar panels. That's where the bulk of the employment in the solar industry is in America. Mm -hmm. That is by far. Okay. It's like five, six times Mm -hmm. the amount of people that were in the manufacturing. As a matter of fact, it was more than that. Well, guess what? Now it's starting to hit home. Okay. Um, Let me see. The uh, has led U.S. renewable energy companies to cancel or freeze investments of more than $2.5 billion in large installation projects along with thousands of jobs. The That's more than double the $1 billion in new spending plans announced by firms building or expanding solar panel manufacturing factories. So basically, in order to make a billion dollars for one set of companies, he had to eliminate $2.5 billion for a whole other group of companies. Once again, brilliant, brilliant business strategy by Trump. This is exactly what he did with the F-35 project, okay? Basically, what he did is, in order to save $635 million, he had to spend $1.2 billion on the F-35. Brilliant, absolutely stunningly brilliant. Uh, the tariff bifurcated, I like that, bifurcated impact on the solar industry underscores how protectionist trade measures almost invariably hurt one or more domestic industries for everyone they shield from foreign competition. Trump's steel and aluminum tariffs, for instance, have hurt manufacturers of U.S. farm equipment made with steel, such as tractors and grain bins, along with the farmers buying them at higher prices. Trump announced his tariff in January. In February, you know, right beginning of February, I talked about it. Solar developers completed utility-scale installations costing a total of $6.8 billion last year. Those investments were driven by U.S. tax incentives and falling costs for imported panels, mostly from China, which together China. made solar power competitive with natural gas and coal. Oh, so basically what you're saying is that you would rather have non-renewable energy produced domestically at a more expensive cost than renewable energy produced by a foreign company at a much cheaper cost. Brilliant business strategy. This is the businessman that we hired. This is what happens when you hire a guy who is a businessman who only knows how to run a business that he can completely yeah, he, and utterly control by himself. He's not a businessman. He's yeah. not. He's a fucking shyster. He's yeah, a, there you go. You know, he's a flim-flam man. Okay. This one, you know, I, I wanted to shy away from it. I wasn't going to say anything about it. And then I noticed a particular headline because there's the whole brouhaha about ICE. You know, taking children from their parents, and they mm-hmm. got like eleven thousand of them mm-hmm. stashed in, in, in you know, various abandoned At department a, stores. Walmart, yeah, 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 okay. And that was highlighted by Samantha B. I guess uh, last week on her Mia Culpa edition of Full Frontal, which, by the way, I thought was absolutely brilliant. Okay, she, she, you know, after the whole brouhaha about using the word cunt, mm-hmm. okay, she, you know, the, she opened the show. 
and and the way in which she apologized and still managed to get her point across by saying, no, I'm sorry about the word, but not sorry about the point I was trying to make, mm-hmm. which I thought was, was, was really important. And she was showing that uh, – she showed a video of uh, Senator Jeff Merkley being denied access to one of the uh, the kiddie stash houses. This is what I yeah, – you know, yeah. the stash house for kiddies. But I couldn't help but notice this headline the very next day after the show, okay? Mm-hmm. U.S. announces – $102 million in assistance for Nigeria. Now, a quick refresher course here. Northern Nigeria is where Boko Haram plies its trade. And from this particular article in the Vanguard, nearly a decade of conflict perpetuated by Boko Haram and its offshoot, ISIS West Africa, has triggered a humanitarian crisis in the region. More than 2 million people remain uprooted by the violence, and nearly 11 million people need assistance to survive. The assistance from America would be administered primarily through the U.S. Agency for International Development's Office of Food for Peace and Foreign Disaster Assistance, as well as the U.S. State Department's Bureau for Population, Refugees, and Migration. The funding in today's announcement will provide life-saving aid to hundreds of thousands of people, including emergency food, nutrition, treatment, shelter, health care, safe drinking water, services for survivors of sexual violence, and support to children separated from their families. Now, here is the kicker that Mm -hmm. I was not expecting, okay? And once again, okay, I wear the white hat. And if I'm going to wear the white hat, I can't be a hypocrite, which means when somebody that I, you know, whose policies I hate, who Mm -hmm. I think is just wrong, 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 when they do something that I think is right, Mm got to say it. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. The United States is the largest donor for the humanitarian response in the Lake Chad region, region, having provided nearly $761 million since fiscal year 2017 started. Mm-hmm. Hey, now I know. Yes, the trains are running on time. How about those trains running on time? Mm-hmm. But with all the bitching I do about city stuff, you know, that our government does, this one, right on, man. He didn't cut it short. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. But it got me to thinking, mm-hmm. okay, isn't taking children by force from their parents pretty much what groups like uh, Boko Haram do? I'm just saying. Just saying. Okay. Just saying. Right. I, you know, I'm just saying. I'm not saying that, you know, that ISIS is new Boko Haram. I'm just saying that their tactics in this instance are eerily similar. And because Markley wasn't allowed in. To this private property. That was the whole thing. It was private property. Mm-hmm. Okay, He wasn't allowed to go in and take a look at where these kids were being held. I'd like uh, Senator Jeff, uh, or former Senator Jeff Sessions to yeah. answer, answer I'm this. I'm just getting. Yeah. If they don't want their children taken away and have us beat them with a bar of soap inside a sock, they shouldn't cross the border illegally. Oliver, Oliver. I'm getting an Oliver thing going on here, baby. I'm getting a... Uh, Put another brick in the wall vision coming. I'm getting an itchy, groovy finger. (laughs) On that note, we will get back to the group with our new favorite band and sure to be yours as well very soon. It's Telekinetic Yeti on the Groovathon at SoFloRadio.com.
Sometimes life can be really hard. You can get a lot of disappointments, deceptions too. But to love you like I do, babe, is so goddamn easy. It's so easy. listen to the music it all made perfect sense to me it didn't come as a shock to me because um, these guys were clearly influenced by this concept of high energy I mean they were and the thing is they could really play 
They had chops. They, they were formidable musicians. They practiced their instruments, and they were into really playing their instruments, which to me sets them apart from the rest of the punk rock movement because the idea was you don't really have to know how to play. It's all spirit, and you just get with your friends, and you make up your songs, and it's not about playing, which is a different, there's a, there's a line there. Because I come from the school that says, it matters if you know how to play.
occasion, a distinguished lobbyist came into my office with his client seeking an earmark. An earmark is an appropriation, a cash appropriation written into an appropriations bill that would funnel money uh, to their client. Within 30 minutes after leaving my government office, he called my campaign headquarters and offered to hold a fundraiser for me. This goes on every day in Washington. It seems to me like campaign financing is a system of legalized bribery.
There you go, baby. Sweet. Burning, that's the B-side to Hellraiser, came out in 1973. I was just saying, that's the, uh, I've, I've played a whole bunch of Sweet on the show. But, you know, we, I don't, you know, they got it right, man. They got it right over and over. Before that, Steve Miller Band, really cool version of Fly Like an Eagle from Burt Sugarman's Midnight Express. I got another track from that show. If you want to go online onto YouTube, the archives from Burt Sugarman's Midnight Express are out there. And some of them are absolutely fantastic. So uh, let me see. The Sweet Song came out in 1973. This Steve Miller, uh, Fly Like an like Eagle, the album came out in 1976. But that particular live version from Midnight Express was done in 1974. Um, and before that, the song Politicians in My Eyes by the band Death uh, f- from their uh, first album that came out in 1975 for the whole world to see. And those guys are from Detroit. And they were originally, their original name was Rockfire Funk Express. And these guys, there's a documentary out about them. Um, there are, there was like an article, they got rediscovered out of nowhere. And people started to look at them as like the birth of decent punk. Because the quote from before that song is from uh, Wayne Kramer. The head of, you know, the leader of MC5, mm. who's also from Detroit. And he was saying, you know, those guys, that's what separated them in his mind is that they had that punk attitude, mm-hmm. a straight up punk attitude, but they could play. They could fucking play. as a bunch of brothers. Uh, after the song by Death was an interesting clip from the documentary called Casino Jack, which is about the, the Jack Abramoff scandal. And it's from, uh, guy named Peter Fitzgerald, who was a Republican senator from Illinois from 99 to 2006, where he's saying that basically campaign finance is legalized bribery. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Legalized fucking bribery. So, uh, but the death, what the band Death, basically, they never got big for a reason you might anticipate. Because the name, the name of the band <laughs> was Death. But a couple of years ago, an article came out, I guess, in the New York Times, and, you know, talking about this, you know, the New York Times, basically, somebody went out and decided to do a little recon and research and mm-hmm. did a whole thing. And as a result of that, they've now come out with two uh, two albums since then. I, they've got, uh, I think, one in 2014, and another one came out, you know, just recently, which are not nearly as good as the originals, because now these guys are like a bazillion years old. Still, they have the same attitude, and the original album from those guys, For the Whole World to See by the band Death. And that's really their hit song that I played, uh, Politicians in My Eyes. So they got it right back in 1975. Before uh, Wayne Kramer, oh, by the way, that was the other thing I wrote down, uh, uh, MC5 is doing a tour right now. They are celebrating the 50th anniversary of one of the iconic rock songs in history, Kick Out the Jams, motherfuckers. Okay. Okay. I actually had two different... uh, I had two copies of that album. One was edited and the other was not. As I said, kick out the jams! And it goes right in the song and the other one says, what he really says, kick out the jams, motherfuckers. But they are going to be playing uh, here in September. On September the 5th, their MC5 is going to be playing at Revolution. So I marked that one off of my calendar. That, that, might, that might be a have-to-go-to show just, just because it's MC5. You know? You, you, I was just saying to, uh, what's his name, uh, What's his name? You know, the, the guy. Jerome. Jerome. I was just saying to Jerome, mm-hmm. I was telling him about the Tammy Terrell song, mm-hmm. you know, because I put that CD together for him. 
and and I was saying, you know, you can't you can't fully appreciate where you are musically unless you have at least a decent understanding of how we got here. And MC Five is how is is one of the building blocks of how rock and roll became rock and roll. There's no Iggy Pop mm. without MC Five. Okay, just right. Iggy Pop doesn't exist. Okay, before Wayne Kramer, yeah, Shaolin Temple Defenders, I love them. It's so easy. From the uh, from the CD from the inside came out in 2013. Yeah, great funk from France. And kicking off the set, that's right, the Groove of Dimes new, you know, in-house band. <laughs> okay, Telekinetic Yeti. That is stoned and feathered from uh, their uh, the uh, CD they just came out with uh, last year called Abominable. Okay, which is their first CD. It's basically two guys. Um, they're from Iowa. And they're right now uh, on tour with another band I played, I believe, this year, uh, 1,000 Mods, which is a great band from Greece. So that's a tour if they're uh, coming to your town. Telekinetic Yeti opening up for 1,000 Mods. That's absolutely a show that uh, if they were coming around here, they're not, which pisses me off. I looked at the schedule. But uh, that's a show I would, I would definitely see. Those, those two bands are working it hard. They are working rock and roll fucking hard i love that shit okay uh, yeah but on bill Moore, okay here we go on bill Moore's show uh not this past friday two fridays ago we had bernie sanders on okay as a guest and what they were talking about at one point was what it would take to get democrats running the show again you know i say bill Moore had a fantastic quote in one of his uh new rules segments he said uh Conservatives, yeah, Republicans govern without shame, and Democrats shame without governing. Okay. Yeah, and he he definitely got that right. But uh, on this show, uh, two weeks ago, they were talking about what it would take to, you know, get Democrats back in office, and this particular exchange took place. What does a Democrat have to do to... Compete on this new well, stage. Airtime, it is a new stage. That's a fair point, and the airtime issue is very difficult. You know, people say, "Where? Why aren't the Democrats talking about issues?" Well, you know what? In many cases, Democrats are, but were overwhelmed with Trump's tweets and the absurdity of the day. So, I think what Democrats have got to do, basically, is go into Trump country and talk to people who are now living in desperation. You know, the truth of the matter is, one of the reasons, in my view, that Trump won is that he sensed that there were millions of people in this country who were ignored by the political establishment. They ignored by the elite. They're working longer hours for lower wages. They're scared to death about the future facing their children. And he said, and he lied, I hear you. Our job is not to lie, to have the guts to deal with the serious issues that they face and to take on the people who have power in this country. Now, okay, now, sounds, sounds like a win plan, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Just, just side note here. I, mean, I, I, know, we, I am absolutely not feeling a burn for 2020. Okay. Yeah, I, I am not. Yeah. I, I think he'd be I'm a, not. I'm not feeling anything. Yeah. I'm feeling ennui. Yeah, I'll tell you, I think he'd be a great campaigner for a Democrat who's in his 40s or 50s. Better as a power broker. Yeah, someone who might give a shit about what's going to happen in mm-hmm. 20 years, long after Bernie and Donald. I, I, and by I, the grace I, of God. I agree. Somebody with some, uh, some young blood, but he could, he could get behind them. He could say, That's you know, exactly it. I think he'd be a great person mm-hmm. to campaign, but he's too easy a target. 
yeah. You know, we, that's something that has to be but, that has to be considered in this day and age when putting on. You know, you have to. Consider it's a that. popularity contest. You, yeah. You're in denial if you think otherwise. You know, it's it's funny. Ever since I uh, jotted that thought down, the uh, the song I've been waiting for tomorrow all of my life has been basically stuck in my head. By the the, so anyway, when I heard Bernie Sanders' uh, response to Bill's question, I thought to myself, "Self, where have I heard that before?" Hmm. The you know I I I said this over and over and over again, right after you know when people started talking about oh the uh, the electoral college needs to be changed. We don't need a rehashing of the numbers. We need a fucking road trip, okay? And by a road trip. I mean a relocation. Unless people who live east of 95 or west of the 405 are mm. willing to go in between those two highways and literally set up shop. Set up shop. You have to right. go there, yeah. move there with your family. You need to set up yep. routes. And then yep. once you've set up routes, then you have to run for office. Because the only right. way folks in the heartland are going to change their mind and be convinced that they are... Over Wrong. and over again, voting against their own self-interest, right. okay, is if they are convinced to do so by a neighbor that they have come to know and trust, who understand that's the only way. The rest of this is fucking theater, man. You can put a continue. You might as well put a continuous loop of like a rehashing of Eugene Ionesco's rhinoceros on all the news channels for all the good it'll do. All right, so there you go. I mean, I, I obviously I went on for a while after that, but. Yeah, nice to see Bernie jumping on the uh, the Groovathon bandwagon because I said that back on January the thirtieth, two thousand seventeen. Well, you know, I'm sure it was in the buffer because you know he <laughs> subscribes to the podcast after it's Obvious. posted, yeah. and uh, you know, but he's a busy man, and each Groovathon is you know two to three hours long, I so know. it just took well, him you just skim past the music to the parts it that took him this long. Oh, you say that? I skim say that. Past but, the music. but who could? Yeah, how Bernie, could you skip past the Bernie groove? Isn't going to uh, skip that. Honestly, I'm telling you something. I mean, I just think the uh, the DNC should put me on retainer already. <laughs> Perhaps if they had, okay, you know, if they had listened to me back in 2015, no. Bernie, Bernie wouldn't be trying to do what what in this case is the political equivalent of closing a barn door after the horse is out, or in this case, before the mangy beast was allowed in in the first place. I maintain my original theory. And that is that a percentage of the Democratic Party uh, are are throwing the fight. They're being paid. There there's a financial incentive in their lives coming that you know from some angle that that gives them an incentive to to lose elections on purpose or to not promote certain things or find an excuse to not push this but that instead not make a big deal out of this thing that the republicans would have made a big deal about if they were in a, you know all these things all these little things collectively Selfish just a little bit agreed. yeah yeah makes you wonder plants. why they still put e pluribus unum plants, on the bills plants all over what percentage of them are really double agents yeah you know on the take if you will, I'm telling you, I seriously. Yeah. I mean, the Republicans at least, like we know, like the swath. Right, that's the whole thing. Yeah, that's it. That's it. the we're, one thing they're not. We're for oligarchy. Is, like, we're the basic. oligarchy party, yeah. and the other party is the uh, half bought off by the oligarchy. Well, that's the thing. I'm, I'm listening to this, and and you know what? Basically, what what uh, Sanders was saying, you know, he said that uh, Trump sensed that there were millions of people who were ignored by the political establishment and the elite. Okay, my question is, so uh, you didn't sense that? Okay, not exactly a ringing endorsement of the Democrats, you know, sense of national awareness. Now, or 
is he saying that Trump was lying to the electorate and that he couldn't figure out a way to make the truth more ubiquitously relevant? Or was he simply saying that, you know, the nice guy who finished last, he's the nice guy who finished last, but he still feels like he's deserving of a participation trophy. Okay? Yeah. Nice guys finished last, man. I, I think that, you know, if Bernie had taken the advice he's giving now, okay, and thought of it three years ago, okay, applied authentic empathy three years ago mm-hmm. to the people living in the heartland, he wouldn't have to try now to relate to folks who are living in desperation. And instead, he would be accepting the thanks of millions who would have had political leaders and elected officials who genuinely had their constituencies' best interests at heart. You know, Bernie's problem in that campaign wasn't that he wasn't going through the heartland. He was packing stadiums, and his numbers were great. Yeah. And he couldn't compete. he sounded like Al Smith. He's from Brooklyn. He couldn't compete. He was taking no money from anyone that had big money, and he couldn't compete with the establishment. And we all know, with all due respect— all right, that they had chosen their contender. Oh yeah, all right? nobody likes so, somebody who's anointed. So, right, so, so he he didn't have a chance, you know, up against them, and of course, and they I, did, and, right. So yeah, we've so said we saw this before. That. Yeah, I, right. I didn't, you know, Bernie might have been weak in a, in a lot of areas, but one of the things that I believe that he wasn't weak in, and uh, like I, I don't think that he was a hypocrite. I think that he did go to those places and uh, he did talk to the little people and was always an advocate for the little people. But uh, yeah, but he know. did it in a mass stadium. I don't think the the thing that I'm pointing out is that when I say road trip, I mean mm-hmm. you got to go to hang out for a little while. You, you gotta to live hang there. Out no, what you were saying is you gotta live there. Yeah, you gotta right. put down roots because the only right. way mm-hmm. you're gonna get mom, pa, kettle, okay, to understand where you're coming from and why what they've been doing is self injurious on on mm-hmm. any number of levels is to be able to be the the person that's been sitting next to them at the lunch counter every day for for several months, whom they've got so, to know. They they know who you are. Are you going to volunteer to move to St. Louis? Absolutely not. Not happening. <laughs> right. So, you know, Bernie's on the uh, group on bandwagon, but Robert Reich, on the other hand, is still trying to resist the urge to climb aboard. And he's another one of these ne'er-do-well political pansies, which is uh, defined as someone who claims to have the answers to our nation's political quandaries, but doesn't have the gonads to run for office so that he can actually be in a position to affect those quandaries, which actually now that I think about it is pretty much what I'm doing right now. Um, but ba- he's one of these yucks who looks to blame anything other than the American voter for the amoral nightmare we're dealing with. And he thinks that abolishing the Electoral College is the real answer. So uh, you know, to quote him, so that we never again elect a president who doesn't win the popular vote, which I looked up and has happened. Well, it's happened five times, but really only four. Uh, 1876, 1888, and then Bush and Trump in 2000, 2016. And I thought it was interesting because uh, when Harrison uh, defeated uh, Grover Cleveland in uh, 1888, tariffs were a very big issue in that election. And Reich was pointing out that amending the Constitution is basically a non-starter. You've got to get two-thirds of the House, of Senate. You've got to get three, three, uh, three-fourths of the states to come along with it. And so he thinks there's a way around the Electoral College. He, he found a way to make it irrelevant. Okay? okay. Uh, yeah, because Article 2 of the Constitution states that uh, states themselves can award their electors any way they want. States' rights. Yep. Funny how that keeps popping up, huh? 
And so he says that all we need is for states to comprise a total of 270 electoral votes to agree to award them to the candidate with the most, with the, you know, the highest popular vote. Now, 10 states have already done this. Um, and those 10 states have a total of 165 electoral votes. So he says all we need is to have a few more states with a total of 105 electoral votes to agree to do the same thing, and the college electoral system becomes irrelevant. Ta-da! <clears throat> so I was thinking, how about the Democrats just do what they need to do to convince the popular vote in those states to stop voting against their own real self-interest, and then we can make folks like Robert Reich, who seek an end run around to the Constitution, we can make them irrelevant. Okay. That was my thought. <clears throat> so... On the same show in January of last year, January 30th, when mm-hmm. I was, you know, saying we need a road trip, okay, mm-hmm. um, I also talked about the tale, this is the house that Jack built, a cumulative tale that seemed to mm-hmm. apply to modern-day politicians. And to, uh, to refresh your memory, you know, this is the house that Jack built, this is the malt that lay in the house that Jack built, this is the rat that ate... Mm-hmm. You know, this is the rat that, that ate the ball, yes, the cat yes. that blah, 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 blah. The chain it's reaction. Cumulative. Yes, chain reaction. And this was used um, by Thomas Jefferson uh, prior to serving as president. He was elected in uh, 1800. And he used it, I believe, in 1791 um, to criticize the broad construction approach of the Necessary and Proper Clause, which is uh, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 18 of the Constitution. And he did so with respect to a bill that was coming uh, before Congress that wanted to grant a federal charter to a mining company. And the ter- term was used to suggest that the expansion of federal powers under these arguments would give the federal government infinite powers. Now, Hamilton, on the other hand, and I pointed all this out back in the show, he actually used the clause in a way that I sort of agree with because he used it to form the federal bank. And Hamilton said, no axiom is more clearly established in law or in reason, then whenever the end is required, the means are authorized. Wherever a general power to do a thing is given, every particular power for doing it is included. <clears throat> now, the thing is, I tend to be more of a Hamiltonian than, uh, than a Jefferson guy as far as, you know, who got right, you know, who got what right back then. But there are two very specific instances where Jefferson was absolutely the greatest vision, the greater visionary. And the first, the, the, the first one was on the, uh, the Necessary and Proper Clause. The other one was the Alien and Sedition Acts of 1798. Now, this was basically a, a, a four-parter, mm-hmm. and it was really used in the same way that Trump is using his ban on Muslims. He's just mm-hmm. trying to – they were trying to make it harder for, immigrate, for immigrants to come here. Right. That was, was the whole point. And a lot of it got shot down eventually in, in 1800 when Jefferson became president. But I liked this part. Part three was an act in addition to the act entitled An Act for the Punishment of Certain Crimes Against the United States. And section two of part three said – and this is just when, – when you hear it, it actually – it sounds as bad – as it really is. When you read it, it's mm-hmm. so, you know, it doesn't, okay? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> and be it further enacted that if any person shall write, print, utter, or publish, or shall cause or procure to be written, printed, uttered, 
or published, or shall knowingly and willingly assist or aid in writing, printing, utter, uh, uttering, or publishing any false, scandalous, and malicious writing or writings against the government of the United States, or either House of the Congress of the United States, or the President of the United States, with intent to defame the said government, or either House of the said Congress, or the said President, or to bring them, or either of them, into contempt or disrepute, or to excite against them, or either or any of them, the hatred of the good people of the United States, or to stir up sedition within the United States, or to excite any unlawful combination therein for opposing or resisting any law of the United States, or any action of the President of the United States, done in uh, done in pursuance of any such law, or of the powers of him vested by the Constitution of the United States, or to resist, oppose, or defeat any such law or act, or to aid, encourage, or abet <laughs> any hostile designs of any foreign nation against the United States, their people, or government, then such person, being thereof convicted before any court of the United States having jurisdiction thereof, shall be punished by a fine not exceeding $2,000 and by imprisonment not exceeding two years. Okay, well, that's pretty cheap, but, I mean, harsh. <laughs> harsh back then. Wow. I know. Pretty pretty tyrannical there. You think? Pretty totalitarian. You think? Who, who wrote that? Uh, that was written by the Federalist Party in 1798. Okay. And there was a, uh, you know, it's funny, I was when I, when I read it the first time and I read it out loud, I was thinking to myself, you know what I'd like? I would like to hear something like James Earl Jones read that. Oh. Yeah. And then I thought to myself, okay, I would, I would really like to do a video where you get one person from all 50 states to read a little bit of it. You put it into a montage. Get some celebrities. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. I'm feeling a GoFundMe campaign surging through my veins. <laughs> Fuck that. Who is the, uh, the religious grifter? That guy wants his fourth airplane. Fuck him. Help me make a video. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He should have got the big one the first time. <laughs> I may be treading a smidgen too far there, but uh, anyway, Thomas Jefferson was vice president when the Sedition Acts were passed in 1798, and he wrote in opposition to the proposed law stating, a little patience, and we shall see the reign of witches pass over, their spells dissolve, and the people, recovering their true sight, restore the government to its true principles. I just think that those words definitely apply in modern day. There's no question about it. The reign of witches pass over. Restore the government to its true principles. Now, the other time that Jefferson prophetically hit the mark was in his opposition to the Necessary and Proper Clause, which has enabled President Trump to unilaterally impose tariffs on Canadian steel. Okay, this is why I'm bringing this up. Okay, he spoke out against uh, the Necessary and Proper Clause, and he, he did it uh, in reference to a grant that was being offered in Congress uh, for a federal charter to a copper mining company. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to paraphrase Jefferson in this instance. Quote, 
Congress are authorized to defend the nation. Ships are necessary for defense. Steel is necessary for ships. Steel mills necessary for steel. A domestic company necessary to work the mills. And who can doubt this reasoning who has ever played at this is the house that Jack built? Under such a process of filiation of necessities, the sweeping clause makes clean work. And, you know, this is where we are at now. I mean, the, the necessary and proper clause has been used in combination with the commerce clause to get all kinds of shit done. But tariffs were a big issue in the, in the, in the election of uh, 1800. Okay? And they are now, it's an issue again now. And this is literally the transitive property methodology of governance going off the rails. It's, it's smooth holly on, on steroids. Smooth holly was basically also a, a, you know, anti-free trade act that Hoover did in 29. And, mm-hmm. you know, how'd that work out, pal? <laughs> right. You know? Free trade is is what Republicans have always been about. And <laughs> laissez-faire, economics, yeah. right? I, less is more. This is important stuff. And, you know, Jefferson got it right back then, and his words ring true, as true today as they ever have, ever, ever. He is absolutely spot on. What Trump is doing is he is saying, we need to increase manu- – we need more jobs. And in order to do that, we need to increase manufacturing. In order to do that, we need to place tariffs on nations that manufacture goods and products that we could be manufacturing except theirs are cheaper. He did it with solar panels. Mm-hmm. Now he's doing it with steel. And the reason that I bring this particular example up is because his explanation for why he needed to do this with Canada was national Security. Mm-hmm. We need the steel because steel is what's used to build our weapons of war. Excuse me, uh, defense. Defense. That's what I meant to say. Yes. Not imperialism. No. Okay. Of course not. This is, this is for. They defense. don't have any military was, bases anywhere right. except here. That was the rationale <clears throat> behind these tariffs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that it's for national security. And, you know, who can deny. That, who was played at the house, you know, this is the house that Jack built. It makes sweeping, clean work of any kind of step back because, as Hamilton said, it is clear that because Congress has this authorization, okay, when, you know, something is necessary, you know, what did he say? He said, uh, blah. No, he didn't say that. He did. He said, uh, clearly, he said, it's clearly established in law and in reason that whenever the end is required, the means are authorized. Wherever a general power to do a thing, like defend the nation, mm-hmm. okay, every particular power for doing so is included. Pretty scary. Yeah, think this is the kind of thing, and this is why a lot of people, you know, argued mm-hmm. against the necessary and proper clause as being too broad a reach for, you know, it, it smacked of imperialism. Okay? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I've been designated with the power to defend the nation. It's my responsibility. Well, in furtherance of that, this, 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 mm-hmm. and this yeah. needs to be done as well. And you can use defense of the nation as a sure. MacGuffin. 
Sure, to get around due process and every other but right. But they also do these things to, to, to foment your base. Well, it makes the Bill Coal of Rights workers, move, steel move, workers, yeah. the Rust Belt, mm-hmm. these people who, you know, we, we don't need these things. It's just going to cost us more. Price is going to go up. Mm-hmm. No, this is one of those things food. I'm, I'm going to hold off on this other thing that I was talking about just because I'm going to mention it quickly because it got – I've been thinking recently about a book that I read several years ago, and it's by a guy named Sheldon Wolin. And the reason that all of a sudden I got, you know, hooked on to writing about this stuff is because when I went back to, you know, do some research, I found out that he died last year. And he had been a uh, professor at Princeton University. He's a uh, political theorist. And he wrote uh, a book called Democracy Incorporated, Managed Democracy and the Specter of Inverted totalitarianism now this is a book that i personally think everybody should read uh it came out in 2006 and uh i read it when i was out in hawaii uh and it, it literally it took me like two months to read it okay? okay and it took me that long because it's not a difficult read it's he writes very well it's not technical you know it's it's readable mm-hmm. what it is is um it's not a hard – it's taxing. It's morally, ethically – it taxes your soul because okay. as you read it, you start to realize how fucked we are. Like, okay. He <laughs> nails it. And so I would become so enraged that I wouldn't mm. be able to read anymore. I'd have to put it down. And seriously, that's, that's what I did, you know. And, and, you know, look, it's not a beach read. It's 300 pages. It's a scholarly thing and so like that. But I'm telling you, it's it's – it's something that should be read. And his analysis of the political direction that America was moving in when he wrote this in 2006 when Bush was president. Mm-hmm. And we were in the, you know, coming to the end of the, the economic, you know, the, the real estate bubble. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, his, you know, his forecast was as sadly prophetic as Jefferson's in 1798 as pertains to steel tariffs today. Both of them saw what was going to happen. And, you know, he basically talks about neoliberalism, um, heavy statism, the devolution of American democracy, our particular form of corporate totalitarianism. Um, And there's a bunch of stuff. He's got inverted totalitarianism. But one of the things he said, he said, he said inverted totalitarianism perpetuates politics all the time. Um, But it's, But it's politics that is not politics. The endless and extravagant election cycles are an example of politics without politics. Instead of participating in power, the virtual citizen is invited to have opinions, measurable responses to questions that are pre-designed to elicit those particular opinions. Cultural wars might seem an indication of strong political involvements. Actually, they are a substitute. The notoriety they receive from the media and from politicians eager to take firm stands on non-substantive issues serves to distract attention and contribute to a cant politics of the inconsequential. Nailed it! I'm feeling very inconsequential. Nailed it! This is what Trump and his emissaries are trying to do. You know, particularly with his base, one of the things they love to do 
they love to make more hay out of the fact that something had been leaked than what it was that was that actually was leaked. leaked. Yeah, well, that's, of course. That's the, the – Well, of course. The, know, that's, the, it's an embarrassing leak, that leak. Back in uh, February on the, the show when I originally was talking about the solar panels, mm-hmm. I said that if Trump were smart, <coughs> he'd take a fake – he'd start a fake conspiracy story. Mm-hmm. Okay, make sure the New York Times gets it so he'd be able to debunk it and then poison both the New York Times and the investigation into collusion at the exact same time. I don't All know. Right. A little conspiracy theory. Now, I'm not trying to come off some sort of, you know, modern conspiracy, day, yeah. modern day Nostradamus, okay? But, you know, I'm mm. just saying, I kind of saw that one coming, you know what I'm saying? You know what else I see coming? What? More groove? That's right, yeah. A whole bunch more groove. On SoFloRadio.com. A bad little kid moving to my neighborhood. He's a bad boy. He won't do nothing right. His report card don't look so good. He's a bad boy. He don't want to go to school and learn to read and write. He's a bad boy. Sits around the house and play that rock and roll music all night. He's a bad boy. He puts on tanks with teacher's chair, puts you in gum in a little girl's hair. Now, Junior, behave yourself. He buys every rock and roll book on the magazine stand. He's a bad boy. Every time that he gets, woo, he's off to the jukebox man. He's a bad boy.
heaven bound I come to town to light up the mic once the flight touches down But it's not just me, it's us three So it must be funky, trust me Fingers still dusty from digging in the crates For jazz breaks, master tapes are acetate Low fire, so I use a high sample rate to compensate Pure bass, not to concentrate Now you want to taste, so you salivate Just grab a plate and dig in Redition, food for thought from the soul kitchen No chicken, but the drumsticks are hitting the spot Got you licking your chops Don't bite, cause it's sizzling hot See when this in the pot of gumbo Funk soul with some hip-hop But a little drop of jazz on top Just add some rocks of bebop for Scooby-Doo But guess what? You're up, we love you too When it's just for you <laughs> Jackson, crafting raps with a passion like I'm gassing, but it's a kill G, and I know that you feel me. The real G's chill on my block on 115th Street. I rock beats for the people that cop beat. I'm on a hot streak, and competitors got beat.
buy a snuff film. They couldn't find you one, so you paid them to make you one, right? Isn't that what happened? The girl was alive, so you paid to have her murdered? Marianne Matthews. That was her name. Her mother remembers her. I'll, I'm bored with this. You know the only difference between you and me? I will survive this and profit by it. Whereas you, you will not. You watch it with him. Get him off. Watching them cut her up like that. Did he jerk off to it? You sit there, hold his cock, give him the hand job while, while Marianne Matthews was dying. What the hell are you trying to do? I'm trying to understand! What the fuck did he want with a snuff film? You're asking me why? Yes, why? Why? Why did he want a film of a little girl being butchered? Because he could. He did it because he could. What other reason were you looking for?
go, baby. How's that for a little uh, happening rockabilly there? That is Justin Johnson. The song's called Bootleg Turn from his CD. came out last year, Driving It Down. And uh, he recorded that at Johnny Cash's uh, studio in Nashville. And on that uh, particular CD, Boosie Collins wrote one of the tracks and plays on one of the uh, – uh, one of the uh, songs on that. So there's some serious musical bona fides right there. You know, Johnny Cash and Bootsy Collins. You know, if those are two artists that you're associated with, you don't have to tell me anything else. That's good enough for me. For that, the Beatles, everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey from the White Album. Now I'm going out to my man Roger Hitz, who's always telling me the Beatles are in a rock and roll band. Hey, that's some rock and roll right there. All right. Sure, they did a lot of love songs, did a lot of Hokey Pinocchio stuff. They did a lot of, you know, whatever. They got plenty of rock and roll, baby. There's plenty of Beatles rock and roll out there. I don't want to hear you shit. Before that 8mm from the uh, movie 8mm, I opened up the show with it as well. I just, that's one of those clips, those, those segments when he's like, I don't understand why he did it, why this multimillionaire, you know, paid to have a film of some girl, you know, paid to have a snuff film made. And the guy goes, he did it because he could. <laughs> you know, what other reason were you looking for? And I thought it was interesting because, you know, there is no big overreaching Thing. It was like, he just did it because he had the money for it. You know, mm-hmm. and it really, it got, it's one of those things that gets me to thinking about what's going on today with, uh, drug lords and stuff in the, in Mexico. Because I can't remember where I heard this, but I, somebody said it recently. Um, you know, when you've got that kind of money and after you bought the houses and the cars and you've done everything, you know, and you're a sociopathic piece of shit, mm-hmm. what's next on your list? It's, it's people. I don't know. It's, culinary arts. Yeah, it's it's people. Yeah, on culinary arts. On the subject of which, you know, you know, you know about Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, I think I was a bigger fan of his than uh, than you. We talked about. Oh him no, I was a I very was, big uh, fan. We of were his. over him, but um, yeah, I anyway. was. No, I've always. Yeah, been, I was a late. I discovered him late because I wasn't like a watch cooking shows. Like, yeah, see, I, watched, I got into him I early. Iron Chef event. because like I, that whole thing. It's like uh, what is it they said? The civilization, the civilization's going to collapse, and they make celebrities of their chefs. That's it. You know? Yeah, and and I and yeah, I, I remember that. that. Very sure. good. And I remember, th- and I and I always felt like that. Like I like good food. But for me, the watching the cooking shows was kind of like watching sports, you know. However, not a however, so I'm a late I'm a late fan of his because uh, I discovered the other shows by accident, which yeah. are more like travel logs, yeah, that have food in them, right? No, and uh, so I became a fan of him because of that. The parts unknown, parts and, unknown, yeah, it's a great right. show. No. And he really, you know, it's funny they did a a thing on him last night on uh, CNN. Mm. They did like a one hour, you know, with all of the the other. You know, CNN people talking about mm-hmm. him and what made him good, et cetera, et cetera. And the interesting thing was is that he he really did – he went to places, yeah. you know, that he went to Myanmar. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, 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 did, he did good things. He was brave. He was adventurous. He um, – you know, he, he had – he had confidence without being arrogant. Yes. He, he, you know. Well, he, you know, the interesting thing he, is he, he, you know what? He uh, came off as having confidence. But now that we know. 
Well, that's that, that's what it is. I mean, he was a performer after all. He was in show business after yeah. all, and that's a thing that that you know, as a show business person, uh, you know, I can tell you, and and you're witness to it. Uh, the thing about it is, show business. You know how to do an amusing trick that doesn't make you not the human that everybody else is, right. because that's where your talent is. But uh, yeah, he had he had a humility and a, and a candidness that that I really appreciated. I've been thinking and because I, yeah. you know because there have been two celebrity. Suicides very recently. Yeah, I didn't the, know the other the one other was lady. the uh, the handbag designer. Correct. Yeah, all the you know various people I know, you know certain chicks that I know, you know lamented over this one mm. because and, and I'll tell you, you know, I have no appreciation for it. I'd never heard of her. This this the the lady that, that no, I know you buy your handbags at Target off the rack and you don't even that, care who. Well, buys, that was the thing, but them. but there were like a couple of of you know gals that I know, okay, that, and they're my age, and a couple of them said, you know. The, their first like expensive, you know, designer handbag was one that they bought, you know, from from her store. Like that was she was one of those people that did that, mm-hmm. you know. And so from you know, you know, chicks get into handbags, man. What can I say? You know, for me, I, I don't know. But here's here's the thing. After you know, there was that, and then Bourdain, and it got me to kind of wondering, you know, if. The current state of our political discourse, our government stuff, is exacerbating the feelings within people that already have a predilection for that kind of thing. I wonder if that maybe the feeling of hopelessness. Yeah, perhaps. that kind of seriously, it makes me wonder if what's going on now is kind of you know. Making that more prevalent in those people, you know, the, those that already have those feelings, mm-hmm. you know, are now being driven over the edge. Trump killed him. That's it. There you go. How's that? that? Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. How's we, that for the house that Jack that's built? It. That's it. <laughs> and a lot of other people too, I'm sure. So before the uh, clip from a millimeter, yeah, us three, one, two, three for you from Schizophonic came out in 2006. Before that, yeah. The socialization continues unabated. Calibro 35, Sospesi nel Trafico, from Ritornano Kelly D, came out in 2010. I have no idea what any of that shit means. For that, a band that I actually knew these guys, they uh, they were kids. They were still in high school when they first started. The Speedies from New York. That was No Substitute, which is the uh, B-side from their big hit uh, song, Let Me Take Your Photo, came out in uh, 1979. I remember seeing them. Like at film at Haraz with the stimulators, I think. You know, they also they play a lot at matches. Kansas City and kicking off the set, a classic and the original. Larry Williams doing Bad Boy. That was the forty-five he came out with in nineteen fifty-nine. Of course, that song later made famous by the Beatles. You know, came out with that. So we all that. Hey, time for me to take care of the people who take care of me. You know, what I'm talking about. Yeah, Precision Auto Works, Pompano Beach, Florida, nine five four two four seven nine. Three, six, two, bumper, two, bumper, any make, any model, Dave and the entire A-S-E certified crew of busted knuckle gearheads. They're ready to get all the cylinders in your roadcat purring perfectly. He had a uh, prowler in there the other day. Somebody brought in one of those, uh, one of those prowlers, man, it's, you know. Those cars are like nobody really bought, but the mm. people who you know, but the people who actually did buy them, you know, they 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 
cling to them. They put their fingernails in. For some reason, they love these cars. I, I actually had, uh, when I was living out in Lake Havasu, I knew a guy out there who was, uh, he was the son of the guy who owned like the largest car dealership in town. It was Chrysler dealership. Mm-hmm. And he had one of those. He took me out for a cruise in a prowler. Okay. He took me out for a cruise in a prowler and then one in the, uh, the Viper, the uh, Dodge, the 10 cylinder Viper. And the prowler was kind of cool. The Viper was really cool. The Viper, the 10 cylinder Dodge Viper cool. was, was fucking balls to the wall. But the prowler was a pretty cool car. You know, I, it doesn't, it, it's completely and utterly impractical. Okay, it's it's you know the trunk is small, the the front hood goes on forever, the wheels are separated out there, so if you you bump in anything in the front end of this mm-hmm. car, bye bye, that's it. You know it's you know you have to replace the entire front end of it, the the entire axle, the the whole thing. But you know it's a cool looking car. Okay, and you know somebody these guys, I'm telling you, Precision Auto Works. Okay, these guys are very quickly. They've been in business now for four years. They've been with us. Since the very start, mm-hmm. for three years now, okay, and they have become, they have established themselves as the go-to place for, you know, muscle cars, exotic cars, people who have unusual cars and stuff like that. And at the same time, fucking bring your Honda in, baby. I do. I bring right. my Honda right in there. And every person I've had go in there, they said, you know, do you know somebody, blah, blah, blah. Happy as a clam. My boy Tom Semioli, man, mm-hmm. when uh, he came down there, I think his, uh, one of his parents had passed away, and he ended up with, like, the Lexus that they had. Or, no, he had to come down. He was helping them move. That was it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, his parents had, like, this Lexus from that was, like, three, four years old, five years old, and, like, every light on the dashboard was, was lit up. You know, they were older. Okay. You know, they're older. They weren't paying attention. And he brought it to a mechanic right, you know, from here in Hollywood. All right. Hey, his parents uh, were living, you know, on the uh, on the other side of the intercoastal on the beach. So he brought it to some mechanic. And the mechanic gave him a pre- an estimate. It was some ridiculous number, like $6,000. He mm-hmm. brought it in to Dave. Okay? 1100 Okay? That was the estimate. It actually cost just under 1000 The estimate was eleven, and he came in under. Now... I don't know how many mechanics you've met in your lifetime where that happens. I'm guessing Not none. <laughs> okay. Of course, you can go to the SoFloRadio.com page. Click on the box on the top row that says Tony C's SoFlo Groovathon. And that's going to take you to my page where every Groovathon is available to be listened to or downloaded for free. You can't put a price on Groove for the moment. And above the link for each show, you're going to see a list of the songs played on that show, which means you can see every song that we have ever played. And it is a list. I'll tell you something. I need to put. I need you to put together a new. Yes, yes. Those, uh, the thing, update things, the thingy. The thingy for me. But I'll tell you, that's a list that I am awfully proud of. I have a list of songs. A lot of groove. Okay, and I would dare to say that any host of a music show, okay, that you know, isn't classical music or country music, okay? But would would be, you know, would be proud of. Mm-hmm. There is a wide swath in there, a genreality. That is what we special in, a yep. genreality. All right? I was saying if, I said they'd be proud of it if they had been able to summon the temerity to shun the shackles of genre in favor of an a genre format. Okay. <laughs> At the top of the page, you're going to see a blurb about the show and a link 
for Precision Auto Works. Takes you right to their site. Tells you everything you need to know. Don't forget to mention the show. Okay. Okay, when you go in there, mention it to Dave because there is a Groove-a-thon discount. Easy to get to right off 95. Go west on Atlantic, south on Andrews, west on 3rd Street. You're right there. 60 seconds off the highway. 954-247-9362. Precision Auto Works of Pompano Beach, Florida. It is absolutely the place where people who love their cars... Take, Take your cars. cars. Hang time. I went for the I went for the big yeah. hang time there. A lot of uh, hanging. Uh, you know what that means. Reel it. Reel it. <laughs> yeah, baby. Time for the drive groove. We're gonna pop the clutch with some nitro from Dick Dale on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs>
Now there's a bona fide rock guitarist for you right there. That is Joe Walsh, Turn to Stone. That's the original version from uh, the band Barnstorm. Um, that was their, their first album called Barnstorm. came out in 1972, which is the uh, first album he came out with after uh, the James Gang broke up. And uh, that was, uh, in 1972, that was two years after uh, Joe Walsh and the drummer from Barnstorm, a guy named uh, Joe Vitale, were both uh, matriculating. They were both students at uh, Kent State in May of 1970 when, you know, the four students were shot and killed there. And uh, it, that was, yeah, and that took place one year after uh, Joe Walsh sold his Les Paul to Jimmy Page in 1969. So, so I'd bring it up before that. Brent Mason, Hotwired. The original version, that's a live version. The original version is from the uh, studio album Hotwired. Um, this is a live version from a few years ago. Before that, another uh, little, you know, ditty from uh, Bert Sugarman's Midnight Special, Steely Dan, Do It Again. That's from 1972, and that is with the original lineup because that the album, uh, Can't Buy a Thrill, came out in uh, 1972. So it's got uh, Denny Diaz, Jeff Skunk Baxter uh, on that one. So like I said, there are some great, great uh, clips that you can uh, take a look at on YouTube from that show. And, you know, if you like 1970s, you know, that kind of rock and roll, he really got people on that show. You know, the, you know, he got this is basically one of their first performances before a national audience. The Steve Miller track that I played earlier was from 1974. He's playing Fly Like an Eagle. The album, you know, didn't come out until 1976. So it's entirely possible that that was one of the first live versions of Fly Like an Eagle that was ever, you know, done. Uh, before the Steely Dan, Robert Randolph and the family band Purple Haze from their live in concert album from 2011. Those guys are actually known for their live shows. They do uh, quite the live show. And it is the rare occasion when a Hendrix song being done by anybody other than Jimi Hendrix is pretty freaking good you know stevie ray vaughn gets it done right and robert randolph gets it done right it's pretty cool stuff kicking off the set dick dale nitro from tribal thunder 1993 there's a man this guy is on i was just telling you this this guy is on every single rock and roll hall of fame snubs list you know been snubbed this guy makes every one of those lists and deservedly so okay that song right there Okay, that shit's going to kick your teeth down your throat. That's his intention, and that is, you know, that is, he succeeds. You know, Dick Dale, what a great guitar player, man. You talk to people, it's one of those things about Lonnie Mack and, you know, people like that, these, these guitar players. This is what I was talking about with a band like Yes. You know, you have Rush being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they're, and talking about how one of their major influences was the band Yes. Well, explain to me how Rush is in there and Yes isn't. Right. You know, all these people are influenced by Dick Dale and, and Lonnie Mack and all these great guitar players. Those guys, you know, this is why I've had to, I've now snubbed the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm finally on board with you and Roger and all these other people, you know. And who are these cats? Yeah. I, you know, I don't need to kowtow to their decisions. Yeah. I'll tell you, the one, the one cool thing they did this year, it was that they, they had a, uh, this was the inaugural year for a thing they did, um, 45 uh individual 45s songs themselves 
that were iconic and important in rock and roll. And Little Steven did it this year. And he ran down maybe half a dozen songs. And he got them right. And I thought that was really cool. Because that way you can get these songs, you know, that are so, you know, catalytic to rock and roll, you know, that took place after it. But maybe the band itself or someone didn't have the kind of catalog. They, they weren't as voluminous in their, you know, in their recording mm-hmm. stuff. And he's got a whole bunch of these 45s, and they're going to do that every year now. And hopefully they're going to pick a cool person to do it year after year. It was, it was great to have little Steven do it because he really does know his shit. You know, he's got his own uh, Sirius XM channel, little mm-hmm. Steven's Underground, stuff like that. So, show 88, baby. Here we go. My Rocket 88, ready for the archives. Yep. You know, I'm going to tell you something. I, I think I need a, an archivist to go through all the all of our shows yeah. and categorize by date and subject everything we've talked about and by date and genre all the music that's been played over the last three years. And what got me to thinking about this is when I heard Bernie Sanders on a Bill Maher show saying what he said, I was like, mm-hmm. "Fuck, I said that." And yeah. then, yeah, but once I knew that I had said it, okay, then I had to go back and find it. Right. And it took me a little while. Well, stop ripping Bernie off now, would you? <laughs> <laughs> but I had to like go back and find it. I was, you know, I, 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 you know, it took me. It's gonna, it's gonna happen a lot. You're gonna get have to get. I'm used gonna to have that. to start archiving stuff and going sure. through. Sure, but it's just gonna take so long. I'm gonna have to actually okay. ask my mom about this. She's an archivist. There she, you go. Hey, mom, she's wanna a, archive me. No, she does, but she'll tell me a good way to do it. She's a theater archivist. She has a okay. Uh, she has a master's in library sciences. Already then. And a master's in theater. <laughs> okay. Any event, 88 in the books. I am super duper grateful, pal. Right back As always, man. Even with the rain. That's yeah, yeah. nice. It's okay it's out okay. there. It's okay. I'm actually, I'm actually grateful for this because normally what we get now is you get the afternoon deluge it's and then you wake up the steam. next morning yes. and by about 8, the sun has come up. The temperature is above 80 and so all of the moisture in the ground yeah. Starts with, it's, it's a like steam a, bath. It's like a steam bath. It's a swelter bath. That's good for your sinuses. Shut the... F- no, it's not. It should be your biggest problem. Actually, that is. It's a high-class yeah. problem, pal. Okay. First world problem. That's right. Well, anyway, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get you... Uh, get everybody out of here and leave you all with a summer breeze that has been made so much cooler by the Isley Brothers who are doing the, uh, the original Seals and Crofts tune. So, as always... For myself, Gramps Master Flash, it is aloha and peace. Good night, Ma.
high atop 1926 Hollywood Boulevard. You're listening to SoFloRadio.com.